This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 156. Well, the season has started and uh, it started pretty well, I would say, for, for our gophers in, in Colorado College. You know, a split on the road, which is always good. At least I feel it's always good. Um, Vigo, how did you feel? Quick little initial feeling of how you felt the gophers did on the road this weekend. I thought... You know, a split was what I was hoping for. With such a young team, you get into a series against an experienced team on the road who I think is probably going to be a top-four team in the NCHC. And to get away with a split with all the mistakes they were making is good for the season. You know, they they got some experience on the penalty kill. They got some experience on the power play. I thought they looked really good during the flow of the game when it was five-on-five and they were just in transition. Uh, we saw a lot out of the young defensemen. I think this group has a lot to grow on. And all in all, pretty good weekend. It definitely was a good weekend. Um, we'll get to back to more of the, the CC weekend in a bit. But uh, right now we're, we have a guest joining us. And uh, it's kind of a, a new thing this year. We've got a new voice for Gopher Hockey on, on Fox Sports North. And his name is Charlie Beatty. Jar- Charlie, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, um, we all know that uh, Doug McLeod was not renewed this year, and uh, my number one choice was actually you. You know, I, 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 was, I was actually putting it out there. Somebody hired this guy. Somebody hired this guy. I'd never met you before, but uh, I'm, I was really glad that you became their first choice. Yeah, well, I, you know, even though I, I am... I guess sort of semi-famously not on Twitter. Uh, I did see that <laughs> stuff. I, people do send me some, sometimes these things, uh, especially if my name is on it, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but, uh, but I did see that and I appreciated it. And uh, I'm glad I was the first choice too. It's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Viggs, you know, I've, we've been kind of talking about it, you know, ever since uh, Frank Mazzacco was let go over the years, you know, how it was LaPanta and then it was McLeod and, I felt, and I don't know how you felt about it, but I always thought it was it was a good time for Fox to go in a new direction, maybe go a little younger and see how things go. And that's exactly what they've done with our guy Charlie here. Yeah, I was a big fan of Charlie stepping into the state tournament. And after looking back at some of his uh, tapes online that he put out there, uh, I was impressed. I, I do think Gopher Hockey kind of needs a new voice. Uh, someone who's fresh to the the scene and doesn't have such a history maybe with the fans and can you know establish his own brand. So Charlie, good luck. Uh, the Thank fan you. base is uh, very passionate. It's not <laughs> as big as maybe some of the pro sports teams around here, but uh, they pay very close attention. Yeah, and I and I, I know that. I mean, I, I I've been part of it since uh, I was young enough or old enough to remember. <laughs> any any go for hockey which is you know going back to the larry olam rob stauber days that's when i yes. first remember watching the team and uh so I've, I've been right there with you uh from afar for several years but uh happy to be back here now and 
obviously happy to be doing this. Well, welcome to Gopher Hockey. Thank you very n- much. N- nothing to live up to or not. No pressure. No, no, not at all. <laughs> and, that, you know, that's that's part of the fun of it, though, is it, it, and it's part of the honor of it is to get hired by uh, somebody who knows that they've got shoes to fill. You know, we've always had good and passionate hockey broadcasters here. Uh, you mentioned Frank and, of course, Wally, and they're both still doing it. Um, and that's uh, it's an honor to to have to live up to that, and I'll try. Well, we've we've had Frank on the podcast uh, probably about five or six times, and he usually comes on about once a year or, or, or so. And and it was funny a little story is uh, when I was driving home that afternoon when you ended up taking over for McLeod, he he, he texted me and he says, who, "Who is the guy calling the game?" And I'm driving my car, so I don't know what's going on. I I didn't know. I got home and. You know, at first you didn't see your name. I'm like, there's some Charlie guy. Oh, it's Char- Charlie Beatty. You know him. He's like, I don't know who he is, but I like him. And I don't say that about many people. <laughs> and, and so that's a great compliment coming from Frank Zacco because Vigo and I can attest, he doesn't like many people. <laughs> Does he? Well, that is that is a huge honor. Then. Charlie, if you don't mind uh, sharing too much, how did the process go about you you know, interviewing and, and talking about getting this position and, and eventually taking the position. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a relatively straightforward process, I guess. It just took a, a decent amount of time. Um, I first knew that, that it was going to be available in, I'd say early August. And, um, and so I sent my stuff to, uh, to Trevor Fleck and Tony Tortorici at, at Fox. Then, uh, the issue then is a week after I did that, I was actually traveling, um, got a chance to go overseas because my wife, who was actually a, an instructor at the U of M, was doing some teaching in Iceland, and I got to tag along. Um, and so I sent my stuff in, and then I thought, okay, I'm about to leave the country to a place where my cell phone's not going to work for nine, ten days. I really hope they don't call me. <laughs> and uh, they, they didn't. Luckily, they didn't. But uh, – but they, they got back to me a couple of weeks later. It was around Labor Day that I first interviewed with uh, with Tony and Trevor on the phone. And um, I'll say this now because they did eventually hire me. I After that phone call, I was like, I was, I was terrible. I didn't say anything. I didn't <laughs> give a decent account of myself at all. Um, I guess they thought differently. Uh, it, it just took a couple of weeks after that because, you know, at FSN, they've had to hire a lot of new people with the Wolves. You know they've they've shuffled the deck with the wild and added some faces there. Mm-hmm. So there's a, just a lot of housekeeping to do for them. And with this being a lot fewer games than the professional sports, they they kind of left it till the end. And they had Bobby to hire as well. And so they got back to me in late September and said, you know, can you come into the office and interview? And got a chance to go in and chat with them in the office, which I I thought went much better. I guess I'm better in person than <laughs> on the phone. So sorry, sorry guys. Um, and uh, and then they got back to me the, the following Monday and said, you know, you're going to be our guy. Just uh, just hang on to it until we make it public, which is four very long days. Uh, <laughs> getting, getting emails from people like Meeks and uh, not being able to answer them. <laughs> and, uh, feeling very bad about that because I don't, nope, like, to, no I don't problem. like to hold out. Um, oh, and, oh, yeah, so that, I put it out on Twitter as soon as I heard something. I, I think I put yeah. it out on a Tuesday and then all of a sudden it was Friday when they officially announced it. So. Uh. Yeah, I, 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 I was got, happy all week. <laughs> I, got, I got some messages from from friends of mine who are in the media, and they said, "Are you getting this?" And I said, "Well, are you asking me as as my friend, or are you asking me as you know, a media member?" <laughs> I, I had to make some threats, shut. but keep 
keep people quiet. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, so it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing because you know, like it, it is kind of a, a legendary thing. You know, we had we had Frank Mazzocco and Tom Reed calling in those days back at Midwest Sports Channel, then to FSN, and then then the Wooger came on, and and uh, I mean we've had some great games all the way through the you know final five and and then and then we had we had uh you know doug mcleod take over after anthony lapant moved over to the wild and 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 he's a legend in gopher hockey as well he started all the radio broadcasts back in the right. late 70s and early 80s so um like i said no pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean well I it's mean, interesting to to follow you know someone like doug who i grew up watching and yeah. and you know, to now work nearby somebody like Frank, who I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's a little surreal to be, you know, a couple seats down or or working with Doug at, at the state tournament. And obviously, that it was an odd day for Doug. And, I, you know, we won't get into that too much. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, the chance to work with him, which actually came about by accident, because the other part of that story is that I wasn't even actually supposed to be there that day. Uh, I was only on the between the benches that day because uh, Tory Holt was, unfortunately got sick. Tory's, Tory's a friend of mine, and I, I was really happy that he was got healthy again, so we could come back and do the the double A games later. But I was only supposed to do the Class A games, mm-hmm. and even those I only knew about a week before the tournament because um, that was actually supposed to be Chrissy Wendell. And, and then you, um, you really got thrown in. I mean, obviously you know, they yeah the Doug thing, and you got thrown in there and. You uh, held your own very well for not having to, you know, having the rosters thrown at you and and just be able to. And it, wasn't it a long overtime game too? It was. It was the longest game in the tournament in, uh, <laughs> I think, five years. Well, there right. you go. Yeah. No, no warm up. No practice. Here, go announce the game. So. Well, the other really odd story about that game is. Um, and if it wasn't an NCAA violation, I can't do this for several years down the road because he's a gopher commit. Uh, Jack, I owe Jack Jensen a stake because he scored the game winning goal in that game and he will be a future gopher. He's, he's playing in the USHL this year, mm-hmm. uh, or actually no, the NHL He's playing with the magicians this year, I think. Um, but, uh, if he had not scored that goal in the third overtime, we would not have actually finished that broadcast. Oh, they would have cut because- you off. Because it was the afternoon game, and they had to get to the night session. And so after the third overtime, they were going to move the end of that game to the following morning. And we were not coming back for it, which is something I found out about halfway through the third overtime. Oh, jeez. So I was impartial as to who won, but I wanted somebody to score a goal. Because <laughs> you can't go three overtimes and then not get to call a game winner. I mean, nobody had scored since early in the third, very early in the third. So uh, it was... Uh, it was a very close call, and I think a lot of fans don't actually realize how close that came to that game being just sort of this unsatisfying ending on Thursday. I, you know, I remember them talking about that. Uh, Viggs, you remember when that happened in the state tournament? I know I do. Yeah, it's just baffling to me that that was the decision they made. I know the state hockey tournament has a lot of commitments and things like that, but just seemed shocking to me that that was how they were going to do it. I was there uh, for the Apple Valley-Duluth East game back when I was in high school and stayed there very, very late to see the end of that one. And I, I feel like I went to another game with Edina in it that went really late for the late game. So, uh, was that Edina-Minnetonka? Was that a semifinal that, several it, years ago? Yep. Yeah, I, I remember Dan Carlson for Edina basically not leaving the ice for the entire game. Mm. And uh, he, he went on to play at Notre Dame, but it was just a 
a crazy situation as well for long. And I think, I think if it was a, a later game, you know, one of the night session games, they wouldn't have had to do that. But for some reason, because it was that one o'clock, one thirty start, and they've got to turn things over for the night session, they have to figure out a policy. And you don't expect to have to use that policy, and but when you do, it's going to be a really awkward transition. Well, the, um, po- the policy only happened once. Uh, yeah, it was that Jefferson uh, Minnetonka game back in the mid '80s. And I want to say that was like the early game. It was like a seven o'clock or six o'clock game and they had to get the second game in. Mm-hmm. So then they ended up going to the next morning. And I think, you know, Jefferson did win in overtime, like a minute or two minutes in to the fourth overtime the next day. It was really odd. Uh, that's the only one I know of where they actually stopped the game, went to the next day. But that's sure. what would have happened to you. Uh, that I would have gone back to the sideline for the <laughs> class A games, uh, at noon and nothing would have happened to me play by play by. So, and I'm not trying to throw the high school league under the bus. They've got a lot of things to think oh, about in yes. first and foremost, the high school athletes and, and mm-hmm. what they have to go through. So selfishly speaking, I wanted that game to end. I would have lived with it if it hadn't, but, uh, it's, it's a funny story to tell and hopefully I'll get to tell it to Jack someday because that is, uh, like I said, I owe him huge. So, so basically, it's been a hectic six months for you, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. It's been very different. So what's it been like this week, getting ready for the Gophers' first series here at home with Niagara and your first call? Uh, well, I actually probably did a bulk of the prep work that I was going to do last week. I wanted to get a jump on it. Um, so, I mean, going to practice was, was new. I uh, hadn't done it before this week, and just kind of knowing where to be and when and who to talk to and who – we get to talk to and all these, all these new things, you know, meeting Viggs and all these other folks. And, um, so just, just getting the lay of the land a little bit. Other than that, it's, it's like preparing for any other game that I've done throughout my life. Um, the wonderful thing about play by play is that the higher up you go and the more, more high profile the broadcast is the actual <laughs> truth of it is the easier it is to prepare because you have so much more information and you have people like Brian Deutsch who send you information. Uh, I, I come from a world where I am very much used to doing that all myself. Mm-hmm. So I feel very spoiled right now. And uh, that's never going to get old. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot to put in, but you also get a lot of help. And it's really nice. Well, it's going to be an exciting time. I mean, we've got the, the home opener starting with, with at Mariucci for the Gophers. Um, the, the team seems on the, on the upswing, Viggs. Um, you know, we talk about that split in CC, you know, how Coach said he saw a lot of things that he liked and obviously some mistakes that he didn't like. Um, penalties, always tricky early in the year. But uh, like you said earlier, I was happy with the results this past weekend, especially on Saturday when uh, they played a little more disciplined. Even when they got in trouble, they played a little more disciplined and make sure they covered things. You know, we had that late five-minute penalty again against Walker, and they got through it, and they came back from a 2-0 and a 3-1 deficit to win that game. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some positives to take. I think Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin have, have continued from what they were doing last season. Uh, they're just going to be dynamic players. They're, they're faster, but they're also bigger. I think they're making more plays than they made last year, and they're a little more tenacious on the puck and they're able to shield the puck a little bit more. I think the real next leap for this team will be, you know, special teams. 
Uh, Bob Moscow going into the weekend talked a lot about how this team needs to learn how to play in critical moments. And you see those situations on, on face-offs when they lose their coverage and give up chances for their opponents. I think CC probably got, you know, two power plays off of face-offs where they got Minnesota in a bad situation and Minnesota took a penalty and then they have to throw out young penalty killers on the ice. And CC was able to take advantage of that. Uh, up until the third period of the second game when Minnesota finally started to figure it out. And, you know, one thing that uh, one thing that the fans learned this weekend is how good we really have it when it comes to broadcasts, leagues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, we had the Friday night, which picked up AT&T Sportsnet that Fox picked up. And, uh, you know, besides the, the visual problems and the jersey problems with CC, um, we had audio problems, and, and, and people just don't realize how good we have it here at Minnesota with, with Big Ten, with, with Fox Sports, and every once in a while we've got some ESPN broadcasts. We really are the top of the broadcast heap here. Well, we just have so many people who are used to working a hockey game. You know, they know how to deal with arena lighting. They know how to deal with the white balance of the ice and how the jerseys look. Uh, it's just a, you know, even the camera work about how to follow the play in the puck. Whenever Minnesota goes on the road and you get these crews that probably just aren't as experienced, it really shows up. So we are very lucky. And now, now we get a new play-by-play guy who's grown up watching the program. So I'm expecting good things, Charlie. <laughs> I cannot let you down. He'll be there to tell me about it, so I can't let me down. And maybe stay off Twitter the first weekend. Just a little tip. Not a, not a problem there. <laughs> well, and then that is one thing. I've, I'm sure you've experienced all types of broadcasts, Charlie, and 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 here the hockey is taken very seriously. You know, it's basically the, the same quality broadcast that we get for the Wild that we do for the Gophers. Mm-hmm. It's it's top notch. I mean, we have you know the best audio guys, and we have the the best video can the video crew, and you know stats guys. We have everything. It's almost like an NHL game, so the production is top-notch. Absolutely. And, I mean, a lot of the crew uh, that are going to work on these games and work on the wild games, these are people that I know and work with uh, in other places, too. And, you know, they travel. They go all around the country to do national-level broadcasts. And I think that Minnesota fans don't see that because you never see the crew that, that are on these games and you don't realize who they are, but we have some really, really good people here in the Twin Cities and we have enough to staff a wild game and a gopher game on the same night and you get still two technically beautiful broadcasts and that's that's something that shouldn't go unmentioned or unsaid because there's some really, really good behind-the-scenes folks here. I know our guy, Tweeter Audio Guy um, on Twitter, is, uh, loves his gopher hockey. He's excited that he's going to get to do the audio board for many games this year. I think he's out doing the, the, the Vegas game right now, and sometimes he does World Series stuff. And I mean, we have the top-notch people working at Fox, mm-hmm. and they also work, you know, because it's it's kind of a union thing. They work the Big Ten too, so the the, the people in this in this town, we've got some top-notch people, and that's from mm-hmm. produ- from producers to directors that that move on to do greater things. Um, I, I see I see people complain. They were so many people were going after go for hockey last weekend and, and FSN. I'm like, people, this is not FSN's broadcast. They don't have broadcast rights in this town, but you know what? They 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 actually got permission to pick up another another team's broadcast. Be happy with what you get because we saw we saw TV last weekend, at least for one game, and 
it might not have been great, but we saw it, and it makes you appreciate how good it is here. Well, well you've got just, guys like Brian Deutsch and Tom McGinnis who work really hard to get these games yes. in our market. You know, I think people take it for granted that it's easy for this stuff to happen. Minnesota really pulls a lot of strings to make it a, a real-life possibility. And I think what you saw last weekend, it actually affects the game a little bit because if they'd had some more angles on Sammy Walker's penalty, he might not have gotten all five of those. I'm not <laughs> totally sure he made head contact there. I mean, I, I don't deny that I can't remember the player's name for CC who took the hit, and I do believe he returned to the game, and which obviously everyone's happy about. And I know that his head did strike the boards, but I don't know. I don't think Walker actually struck his head. And if you have more camera angles, you can look at it from a lot of different places, and that might change that call. Not a guarantee, but that that does matter in the long run. It does matter. Boy. So we've got uh, Niagara coming into town this week. Uh, Viggs, uh, we've played Niagara a couple times. I believe they're about 3-0 and against Niagara over the years. Um, not too much history there. Uh, it's it's the Purple Eagles. Where are the Purple Eagles from, Viggs? I mean, Niagara sounds like New York to me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's up there in New York uh, by Niagara Falls. Uh, it's a <laughs> small school. Uh, Jason Lammers has taken over that program, and I know when he took over, he basically got rid of eight players from the previous coach's roster Ooh, and has really kind of turned it over to be his team. Uh, he's got three re- recruiting classes now playing for him, and they are a favorite in Atlanta hockey. And they're a team that's a little bit older. Um, they've got one uh, local kid, Dylan Mills, on their roster. He played at Hill Murray and then went NHL and USHL, and now he's there as a um, sophomore. Uh, but they've got a lot of other good players. They've got the, the Swedish player, uh, Ludwig Stenland, who was the Atlantic Hockey Freshman of the Year last year. So they're a team on the rise and someone that the Gophers can't take lightly because they're experienced and they're going to test uh, Moscow's young freshman and sophomore classes. And, and that's been kind of the, the theme over the past few years. It's the games that uh, maybe the team has taken them lightly, Viggs. And, it, you know, you get a split with somebody like a Slate Lawrence or, you know, some of the trouble they had last year, it's those kind of losses that really hurt you at the end of the season. Yeah, if you're going to be on the fringe of the pairwise, like I kind of think this team might end up being uh, towards the end of the year, you know, probably around that 12 to 14 range, you know, it makes a big difference if you drop a game to a team like Niagara. And you saw what happened to Minnesota in those games last year where they lost them. They couldn't score enough goals, and they took penalties at the wrong time. Moscow was talking about on Friday night how if the Gophers could have got that extra goal and capitalized on the scoring chances that they were generating, they'd probably get out of there with a win. And then he was worried about them taking penalties on Saturdays that could cost them the game as well. It's a young team, but that was a big learning experience for them to take into this weekend, that they can't make those same kinds of mistakes over and over. So we got a question from Skyuma Law here. He says, uh, which barn is Charlie looking forward to heading to? Or what's the best road trip in his opinion? What do you think, Charlie? Well, that's a tricky question because I, I actually won't go on the road at all this year. Uh, I will only be at Mariucci. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I think if I, if I were traveling, I would have to say Michigan. Only because uh, my father's a Michigan alum. Uh-oh. He's from Minnesota, but he's a Michigan alum. Yep. And uh, if, if I didn't say Ann Arbor, he'd probably disown me. 
Vegs, have you been to, to Yoast? I have not been to Yoast yet. I, I Maybe one of these years as my family grows older, it's, it'll be easier to attend a game at Yoast, but I have not seen the children at Yoast in person. I, I, I haven't traveled to any of the Big Ten schools except for Wisconsin and uh, when the times I did go to Wisconsin, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, the, the, the crowd was still there at Wisconsin. Let's just say that. And, um, I believe my last game I saw in Wisconsin was the old Phil Kessel scoring the goal, putting his ear, cupping his ear to the crowd, uh, which was a fun game and a fun weekend. But, uh, um, and that's one thing that we, we've kind of missed from, you know, these big 10 days, Charlie, is that. Fox, you know, can't they don't really control things like they used to in the old days. A lot, a lot of fans are just not used to that yet. That you know, you can't just pick up and go to a CC and broadcast because there's a lot of rules that you can't do that anymore. Yeah, and it's a shame. I mean, it, it is what it is, and I'd love to go everywhere. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, to truly answer that question, there's no bad barns for me because it's all it's all hockey games and it's all it's all college hockey and it's all fun. So yes. I don't, if I, if I did have the chance to go someplace and maybe someday they will, um, every trip will be one to look forward to for different reasons. Vix, have you done any road trips recently? Uh, just Minnesota Duluth. Yeah. You know, keep it local. You know, when they played at Minnesota state, I'd go down there or St. Cloud. I've been there. Uh, so, you know, the local games are easier to get to, obviously. I've made the same rounds the last couple of years, Mankato, St. Cloud, Duluth, and obviously you and I had a good time in Duluth a couple of years ago. I love that town. It, it's a fun town. You know, we've been having fun there for a long time. I mean, I've got the old pictures of you in that, that jersey you wore for shooting. What did you do? You shot something at Grandma's. You won something. What yeah, they had a little skills competition at yeah. Grandma's shooting floor hockey pucks and you know, if I can stand still and have plenty of time and space, I can pick a corner. So <laughs> it was easy to get that Molson Canadian jersey up there. Well, that's right. It was Molson. That's what it was. I've got a picture of that somewhere. Um, Charlie, I understand that you do play a little uh, hockey, don't you? Uh, I do. Yeah, I think somewhat there was, there was a rumor floating around that I played growing up, which I do need to dispel. Uh, <laughs> I did not. Uh, but I do play now. I actually played last night for fun. But uh but yeah, I, I play as often as I can, and uh, started playing when I moved back here from Washington D.C. after school, which is about twelve years ago now. Mm-hmm. And started in goal. Eventually, found my way out, and uh, now I, now I do a little of everything. And uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great time. Do you play in one of the adult leagues around here? I do. I haven't for the last couple of years because I've been broadcasting enough that yeah. I wasn't sure I'd be able to make many games, but because of this opportunity and just the, the idea that I was going to scale back my workload a little bit this year, no matter what happened, I am rejoining a team. So our first game will be a week from Saturday. Viggs, maybe we should get the rubes back together. Yeah, I'm getting enough ice time now with uh, coaching mites and mini mites that, you know, the hands are coming back. <laughs> Vigo and I used to play in a, up at the Super Rink at the, one of the adult leagues up there. For, there you go. Uh, we must split a good five years, Viggs? That- Sounds yeah, right. back back in the younger days, I was playing the AHA League. I was playing a Sunday Night League at Augsburg. I was living the dream during the winter. Yeah, you were. Everybody, everybody can produce at Mariucci, but can you get it done on Rink 8 at the Super Rink? That's when you know you've really made something. <laughs> on, a, on a Monday night at 10.50. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Boy. When you should be asleep. 
Uh, yeah, considering how far I live away from the super rink, I put on a lot of miles in those five years. But but it was a blast, you know. And you know, I see some of the some of these people. You know, I see. Uh, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her last name. Jesse, with the women's program, she does her videography now. Uh, she used to be on the Mud Hands Vigs. Yep. And, yep. And, I remember that. And I, I see her Mary. I saw her at, the, at Ritter just the other day, and she's like, "Hey, how you doing?" I'm just like, "Yeah, she used to kick our butts, so <laughs> she was pretty good." So it's nice to have a, an announcer who's actually, you know, maybe you didn't play growing up, but you play hockey. So you definitely have a little different perspective than, you know, I'm guessing a lot of announcers out there, Charlie. Yeah, I, I hope so. Uh, I mean, I, I, everything's to scale. I wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't dream of even trying to take the ice with players of this caliber. Hey, beer uh, league counts. <laughs> but it does, well, it gives you an appreciation for the angles and and where the puck should be and where it shouldn't in every situation. And you know, you can apply those things to a broadcast. Hopefully, I can take some of the things that I see and apply them back to games that I play. And I think it'll probably be more that way mm-hmm. than the other. Um, but but it also gives you a supreme appreciation for just how good these players are, and they're incredible. I know when uh, Gus Johnson was going to start calling games for soccer leading up to the World Cup and Champions League and stuff like that, he actually joined like a men's soccer league so that he could kind of get a little bit more exposure to the game so he'd have a better idea how to call it. So I know that that immersive stuff, it, it really comes in handy for broadcasting. Yeah, it is, and it's. Uh, I think they feed each other too because every time I go call a game, I wasn't supposed to play last night. I actually didn't sign up to play in this game until about 6 p.m. last night. And it was because I'd been at practice on Tuesday. And monkey see, monkey do. I was like, oh, I got to go. I got to go play now. <laughs> so so I signed up. I got myself out there and uh, didn't hurt myself, which is that's the key thing every night. So, Charlie, what you what'd you pick up from practice this week and, and talking to the players as you prep for this weekend? Um, just the fact that they're all still kind of coming together. Really, I mean, we talked to a couple of the couple of sophomores, juniors. Talked to McLaughlin. We talked to McManus, and and the fact that this was their first road trip together with all these new faces, and they're still, I mean, they're they're a unit, and they're behind each other, but they're also getting to know each other a lot, and we're going to see that cohesion probably on and off the ice grow all year long. I think the thing I'm most interested to see this weekend is is how the lines kind of get put together as we get further in the season. Uh, Moscow talked about on Tuesday how he'll probably keep juggling the lines till Christmas or until he doesn't. And, uh, you know, the big key is trying to figure out who can play with who. You know, I saw Perbix on Tuesday playing with uh, Walker and Laughlin, and that kind of makes sense to me as Perbix is a guy who's a responsible player, He's a good four checker. He's a physical guy who can win back pucks. Um, Moscow was talking about there are just some guys who who pick up what you're writing up on the board or you're talking about during video and don't need to necessarily live it all the time to get it as they apply it on the ice. And he's one of those guys. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he plays for this team this year as he's a guy who's probably not being expected to score very much. But if he can support two scores, you know, he's going to show up in the score sheet some nights. I was really impressed with him uh, over the weekend series. I thought he was just a pest. Exactly what you're talking about, forechecking pest. And you need those guys. You know, they've got some guys that can score. And I'm sure he could probably pop a couple in if, if needed. But if you have that guy that's just making the opponent work that much harder, which he looks like he could be, 
Every good team's got one or two of those guys, if not more. And Monsko's style is going to require players to play that way. You know, he wants to play a high pressure hockey where guys are on the forecheck hard. You know, you don't want guys coming in the zone looking at each other who's going to be F1 on the forecheck. He wants somebody to be assertive and get there. And Perbix looks like a guy who can do that. Now they just got to find some continuity in the other lines. You know, I think Ben Myers is a player who's going to be that kind of style, a guy who's hard on the forecheck and plays that pressure game. But they just. You know, as we look at the transition from Lucia to Moscow, you know, that's the number one thing I'm looking for is transition hockey and pressure hockey. And that's one thing uh, you kind of we would been talking about for a while is is that pressure, that transition. And do you think, Viggs, that uh, Moscow just couldn't quite get uh, his team last year to, to do a lot of those things? You know, maybe some of those guys were maybe it's just the way they played and just weren't buying in. Uh, but maybe this is more of his team now and, and they're performing those type of things that he wants to do. I think there's probably just the habits, you know, for mm-hmm. older players. Last year was a really older roster and their habit more was to play a trapping game and, and counterattack that way. And so I think it's just hard to get out of those habits. And in college hockey, if you give someone that extra second, they're skilled enough to make a play. So you really have to just commit to it right away, and you can't have two guys commit to it. It's got to be just the the right player. And I think we saw that last year at times, too, where two people would get on the puck, and that just leaves you too few guys to, to come back and attack that second pass. Yeah, we have Frozen Four champs asking us, do we expect Jackson Nelson to get in a game this weekend? Have you, did you see much Jackson on the on – which line was he may have been on this uh, during practice this week, Viggs? Well, we saw something kind of interesting this week when I was there. Uh, we saw two guys in, in red jerseys, Colin Munson and Garrett Waite, and then we saw the other three guys in blue jerseys. Um, so it's hard to know you know, which of those five guys are going to get that fourth-line spot. Uh, I think Nelson will get a chance to play this year. That's one thing that Bob Moscow kind of has a history of is giving guys a chance to play. I think it, you know, originally he wanted to give Maroney, Waite, Munson um, some looks early to you know, show what they've got. But as we get along here, um, I think Nelson will get an opportunity at some point. And that also kind of goes with some of the philosophy that uh, Moscow's been talking about as well. You know, he's going to play some of those guys that maybe didn't play as much last year, like you said, and Maroney and Munson. Um, and then getting guys like Jackson Nelson in there uh, when, when he can set them up right, not just throwing them out there and maybe not prepared. Yeah, he definitely doesn't want to put guys in situations where they maybe have too much to chew on. You know, that's a situation with Johnny Sorensen, a player that you can just tell that Moscow really likes. You know, he wants to kind of protect him in that fourth-line center role, you know, give him a little bit here at a time because here's a player who, you know, didn't really specialize in hockey until last year. He was a three-sport athlete all the way up. You know, didn't do a lot of that summer camp stuff that some guys do. So he's probably got a lot of room for growth but you don't want to put him into a spot that he's not ready for. Charlie, I love those multi-sport athletes. It's usually those guys who ended up, just like being saying, growing the most and, and kind of uh, becoming a much better player than we thought. Yeah, and I think it, you, still have to, you still have to develop your body every way you possibly can. I mean, it, I think it's the guys that specialize also tend to be the guys that get hurt the most. Uh, that's the experience I've seen, you know, covering all sorts of different sports here for the last several years. You've got guys that with one sport, you're only developing a certain muscle group for that sport. 
everything else kind of falls by the wayside. But you get a guy like Sorensen, like we just talked about, he's ready for anything. And uh, he's a true athlete. And those are teachable players. Those are coachable players. They're only going to get you know, exponentially better in four years now when he can focus on hockey. You know, Vix, you know, it's been talked about for actually quite a while that, you know, these guys should be playing multiple sports and not, you know, concentrating on one until maybe their last couple of years of high school or even further. Um, it seems like many of the kids are still not getting that. Is, is this a parent thing or what do you think is going on? Well, I think part of it is you look at some of these bigger associations uh, like Maple Grove, uh, Eden Prairie, Stillwater, you know, they have 300 mites signing up and you get these kids in those situations and, and the kids who make the A teams at squirts, those typically are the kids who've skated the most, you know, they've put in the most time to get better and they, they feel that pride or, you know, the parents want to have their kids be the A squirts. So they push them in that direction as hard as they can. And then they keep that up all the way through, you know, Minnesota hockey this they've got the elite league in the fall They've got their high school season, and then they've got their HP program that starts up right away. And then you have all these AAA teams like the Blades and things like that that go on through the year, uh, Minnesota Made, Minnesota Machine. So you get these kids, they kind of get caught in that cycle that, you know, if they don't do all that stuff, it's hard for them to make the A team. And that's and that's very unfortunate because we do see the kids who end up, you know, becoming the most successful ones are the kids who did play baseball you know, and, and football and, and, and other sports. Uh, it's just kind of sad that we're, it's, it's moving further and further away from it, even though it's kind of proven that uh, it helps them the most, Viggs. Well, you don't really know who the best players are going to be until they kind of get on an equal playing field with everybody skating and, and their body develops. You know, typically around that Bantam age is where, you know, specialization actually starts to have an impact. And, you know, some of these associations, maybe they're skewed as they pick those Bantam teams because they've got kids who played, you know, the AAA team the year before. But we'll see. You know, there's plenty of guys who who move on, who've played lots of sports. Uh, Blake Wheeler uh, was featured in the USA Hockey uh, Mail-Out magazine this month as being a guy who played, you know, football, uh, hockey, baseball, all the way through golf, um, baseball, tennis, all that stuff. Um, you got a guy right now in the recruiting pipeline like Jake Ratzloff, who still plays football and baseball and hockey, you know, and he's viewed as somebody who could be a second, third round pick in the NHL draft. So there are kids out there who who still do it, but I think it's just harder for them to, you know, not give in to the pressure of specializing because they want to, you know, if they love hockey, they want to do everything they can to play on those double A teams and play for their high school teams right away. It's just a different world, guys. <laughs> it's very you know, much so. I could just hear it's, pa- it's a lot hear- of pressure to deal with. It's it's hard, I think, for everybody to to choose their own path. You know, I can hear Pat Michaletti saying, "Get out, play that, you know, play basketball in the summer, you know, with your friends and baseball and things like that. Get out and get away from the hockey because then it's you know you're just for one thing you're you're meeting new people, you're you're learning new skills and." Uh, uh, Boy, it's just, it's a shame that, you know, a lot of places are kind of, kids are being forced into it because, you know, if they want to play, they got to play all these elite leagues and just to make your Bantam team and all, you know, what have you. It's it's kind of unfortunate. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, I know Moscow wants to take older players and, you know, if the kids aren't playing all that junior hockey instead of their senior high school, you know, maybe 
they are able to do that longer. You know, there isn't the pressure to get there first. Okay. Nate Wells wants to know, did the beer of the week also make the jump to the GPL podcast? I don't remember there being a beer of the week last week, Beegs. I kept it simple with the two-hearted last <laughs> week. You know, it was the first game of the year. I kept it simple. You know, I might go, you know, a little crazier this week. I'll, I'll post something on Twitter after we're done. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, we've got Steve asking on, on Twitter. It's, it's early, but who do you think will be eventually take the number one job in goal, Viggs? Well, I think Jack LaFontaine's obviously being given the first chance to nab it. Uh, he looked pretty steady uh, last week in CC. Uh, Bob Motzkow said in his coach's show on Monday that if he had to grade the goaltending on the weekend, it would have been maybe a C minus B, B minus or C plus B minus. And then when he got to the media, he kind of hedged himself and said B minus. And then when he was on with PA today, he's like, we'll be fine. Jack's getting the nod on Friday night. So, you know, you get further away from the weekend, maybe things look better. But I think they've got two talented goalies. They're both big, NHL style. Close, obviously, looked good in the exhibition as well as a third option. But I think he is definitely the third option. Uh, so we'll see how LaFondine does on Friday. I have a feeling if he plays really well, he might get back-to-back starts. Well, the one thing I do know is that we're going to have back-to-back games on Fox Sports North this weekend. No plus. It's all on the on the main channel, and uh, we get to hear our new guy, Charlie Beatty, uh, along with uh, our, our boy, uh, Ben Clymer. Um It's just got to be a very exciting time for you, Charlie. Very exciting. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it I hasn't really sunk in yet. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's this is something I've been trying to do for years and years and years, and, you know, tomorrow it will happen, and uh, I'm pumped about it. I'm, I'm glad to have more than 40 minutes notice that I'll have to go up there and do the game. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing. I have to thank our, our friend Chris Long for uh, let, getting me in contact with you because uh, you're you, since you weren't on Twitter, it's kind of tough to track you down. Without, oh, without Chris, comp- Chris knows everybody though, so he, he does. He can find anybody. And uh, and Chris said that he's also definitely going to be uh, uh, paying for a round at uh, at Maxwell's for all of us on one of these games. After one, fair of enough. Because yeah. Uh, Okay, maybe he didn't say that, but he's the TV guy. He's got the big money. He, he that didn't buy sound like Chris. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get Chris to buy everyone around at Maxwell's. We'll, we'll have to see about that. Um, Viggs, you got any other thoughts on the weekend coming up? You know, obviously it's a big weekend. Yeah, losing a game could really hurt them at the end of the year. Yeah, I know they worked a lot on faceoffs and special teams this week. You know, I think that's the mental side of the game that they have to figure out. Big key for me is don't make mistakes. I think teams like Niagara, they can feast on that kind of stuff. And if they get some momentum and think they have a chance to steal a game, they'll sell out because this is a big game for them. It's a big opportunity to play against a big school like Minnesota. It's pretty funny. You heard uh, Sad Ocker this week talking about his recruiting process. And he was expecting, you know, maybe he'd go somewhere out east or maybe one of the Michigan schools would be interested. And then once he stepped on foot at Minnesota and saw the rink, he was sold. So to these kids playing in a rink like that is a big deal and they want to make a big impression. They're not going to be on TV every week. So this is a team you just don't want to give a chance to. And we've seen that in the past when Minnesota does that. The games get tight. Sometimes the six get gripped a little bit tighter and they have a hard time scoring. So stay out of the box. Don't give uh, turnovers in the neutral zone, and things will be all right. Viggs, how's the attendance looking? 
Uh, we'll see. You know, a season ticket base is probably around 5000 or less right now. You know, that's about what it was last year. Uh, there's a lot of competition for dollars in uh, this market, so we'll see how things go. Uh, they are selling beer in the arena. Maybe you saw Bevies with Bob this week. Uh, yes. John King from Game on Minnesota sat down with Bob at Center Ice and had the first beer at Mariucci. <laughs> uh, hopefully uh, more fans will take advantage of that. Uh, they're having special food items of each weekend uh, to release to try to get the fans to come to attend. And, you know, the tickets are cheaper than they've been. So I know groups could get into this game for $10 a head. And I believe even Hammy's going to the game this weekend. That's right. Even Hammy's coming back. Even Hammy. Hammy hasn't been to a game in a while. Obviously, Hammy couldn't join us tonight. He's just the, the extra night threw him off. He's usually a Wednesday night guy. But uh, we moved it to Thursday because, Charlie, you were busy last night. I was, yeah. Very See? sorry to hold you guys oh, up. I have it, to apologize to the audience as oh, well. They don't care. They just want to. They just want the podcast once a week. They, there we go. That's all they care about. We'll, we can shift whenever we want to, and we do it uh, quite often, actually. Oh, you do the podcast. <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us, Charlie. You know, welcome to Go for Hockey. Thank you, and I, I appreciate you uh, you having me on. And like I said, I appreciate you waiting an extra day. <laughs> Viggs, what you working on for the athletic right now? Uh, we're trying to take a look at uh, who are the best programs in the state right now. And a couple other stories I'm working on. I'm I'm not sure exactly when they're going to roll. You know, it's a very competitive time in the the athletic readership uh, yes. inbox. So we're 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 going to get some stuff out here coming up uh, probably in the next couple of weeks. Well, if the Wild keep tanking like they do, I think uh, the Gophers might get a little more pub, and that might be good for you, Viggs. Might be good. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL Podcast. And I'd like to thank Charlie Beatty for joining us. We'll be sure to have him on again in, in sometime in the future. For those of you listening live, stay tuned for a little bit of overtime afterwards. Uh, for the rest of you, we'll be back next week to recap the Niagara series and preview Minnesota Duluth. Until then, have a good evening. Good evening.